Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. A great place to get a seafood meal. Miami. Miami, Miami. Picture it, Los Angeles, 2017. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you will ever need to listen to. I am H. Allen Scott. And I'm Carrie Dory. And this is a podcast where we watch an episode of The Golden Girls. And then we talk about it. We just watched season five, episode nine, Comedy of Errors, which aired on November 25th, 1989, and is the one where Dorothy does stand up. It's actually one of my favorite basic ones. You know what I mean? Like, there are the iconic Golden Girls episodes that everybody loves, but then there are, like, the ones that are sort of below the radar that Mm -hmm. are, like, actually really good, but you never think of them when someone asks you, what's your favorite episode? Right. That's what this episode is for me. Right. But I think, yeah, Dorothy doing stand-up is like a memorable thing that people... It's very memorable for me as a Mm stand-up because I remember when I... I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot in the podcast, but I remember when I started stand-up, that's the tone that I took. I took Dorothy's (laughs) tone. I took her beats, like Mm -hmm. the way she set up her jokes, which was very Mm punchline-y. I would do that. Wow. I I mimicked that. And and to some extent, I probably still do it to this day. Were you also like a teenager making jokes about hot flashes? (laughs) No, but I was making jokes about like, I was trying to put myself within Dorothy's shoes in sort of a teenager doing stand-up. It was very strange. That's really funny that people are like, Oh, like who are your influences? And you're like, have you seen that one episode of the Golden Girls? Well, no, Girls it wasn't just that. Stand-up? But it was, it was, there is, I mean, yes, I mean, it warms my heart that Dorothy is doing stand-up because that's my love. But it also, um, it, there's something about the setup and delivery. Like whenever, I mean, you know, you're a performer. You, uh, did you ever do stand-up? Yeah, but I'm, yeah, more story-based okay. than like joke, 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 yeah. joke. Yeah, so like stand-up, it's it's that it's the art of like figuring out a way of setting up a joke and then knowing the perfect amount of time to wait to deliver a line to get a laugh there's a joke i have in my just as an example that i set up where i talk about sort of like my my junk after chemo and stuff Mm -hmm. and i start describing what my lower regions are like and I build it up to this whole thing about involves turkey gobbler and an elephant trunk and like it's just not an sounds like a St. Olaf story it is a little bit and I built and I purposely let it go on and I build on it and build on it and build on it and then I take a break take a beat I do a sigh and I've just described like a gross description of my testicles basically Mm -hmm. and then I I pivot into so I'm single and it's, so it's sort of like this and it's it's when you work out a joke and you you deliver a joke similar to how Dorothy does in this episode and you get that laugh because of that that little moment that you have at the end of a, a joke mm-hmm. it's it's fucking cocaine it's the best yeah it's so good that's funny I like that joke yeah uh this is also an interesting episode in that it has 
three storylines. Yeah. It has a, B, all three and girls C. and has an A, a B, and a C. A, B, and C. You know, and I've experienced, I can relate to almost all of them. Sure. Well, have you been audited before? No, but I'm terrified of being audited. Yeah. Well, so that's, I guess, I don't even so know which Blanche's one. that's Blanche's storyline. So that's, we'll just call it the B story because B for Blanche because yeah. I don't know which one has any more weight than the other. But yeah, so yeah, Blanche is freaking out because she's being audited and she uh, didn't ever claim the girls uh, on her tax forms. So yeah. she's never claimed them as paying rent. Um, <laughs> and she's freaked out. And Rose is terribly upset. The C story uh, is Rose is upset because a guy at work doesn't like her. Question. So been there. The last week. Every day I'm there. (laughs) Last we saw Rose, I believe she worked for Enrique Moss, right? At the studio. Yeah. But then she just says it's a guy at the office and he doesn't like me. And she mentions like a cubicle, but she doesn't ever say it like the TV studio. Are we meant to believe that this is the job that she's talking about? Yeah, of course. Well, because I know sometimes... I mean, I don't think it matters. Even after she's been... Fi- well, I like to track these things. <laughs> I, I believe at some point when she's... After she's, like, fired or leaves the grief counseling center, we're still yeah. seeing episodes where she's talking about working there. So yeah. Maybe. I don't think that's what... I don't think the location of her employment was the point of it. I think the it point wasn't. was that I was just curious. he didn't like her. I mean, I feel you. I feel you. But I don't think, no, I was definitely lost in the whole her coworker not liking her because been there, done that. Welcome to my life. I am an acquired taste. I'm like, I'm like, a, what's the, what's the other white wine? Not Chardonnay, but the other white wine. Pinot Grigio? I'm a Pinot Grigio. I'm not the one you'd go for like initially. Oh, I would go for a Pinot Grigio over well, Chardonnay any thank day. you. Flattering. But <laughs> are you Riesling? Rieslings are sweet. No, I don't. I'm, yeah, I probably am. I'm a little chubby. Or are you a Prosecco? Are you like dry but sparkling? You've lost me on these wines now. I I was literally only like, I feel like Chardonnay is sort of what everybody strives to be. Like Chardonnay is Dorothy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Pinot Grigio is Blanche. Okay. Riesling is Rose. Yeah, she's sweet. And Sophia is the other one you mentioned. Prosecco. Is Prosecco. Yeah, I see that. And everyone wants to be Chardonnay. But I can never be Chardonnay. I'm Pinot. I feel like we're having the my best friend's wedding. You're never going to be Jello, Kimmy. <laughs> yeah. He yes. doesn't want creme brulee. That whole yeah. thing. Um, well, let's get into. You're never let's get gonna into the be episode. Jello. Yeah. Kimmy, you're never going to be Jello. <laughs> what a great movie! It's so great. Oh, I love it. One um, of the best. Yeah. So Dorothy, very matter of factly, mentions that she's. Uh, ran into her old friend Helen from high school, and yeah. they, you know, had a great time. They were catching Didn't up. Didn't she go to high school in Brooklyn? She did, but the, she said that she had moved to Miami Which recently. Which is uncommon. A lot of New Yorkers do that. Right. And she was like, and, you know, then she had a heart attack and died. So <sighs> I've been going through my yearbook, and I was like, wait, back it up, Dorothy. Your friend had a heart attack and died? Well, no, she I think that's natural. She just glossed over I it. No, 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 no. I mean, listen. She's in her, what, 60s? She, a woman had a heart attack and she died. And the woman was in her 60s. When she thought her friend Trudy died. Different situation. Dorothy was beside herself. Well, of course, it was a best friend. This is like an acquaintance from high school. Well, she was a frenemy. I don't know. If an acquaintance from high school, all the people listening from my high school, I know there's a few of you. If you, one of you died, I would be like, oh, fuck. But what if he you died. had just seen that person and you had yeah. just been reminiscing? Yeah, I'd be like, wow, I'm going to go through my, my yearbook and see old pictures of them because that's the only connection I have to them because they're not in my fucking life. I don't know. I, w- 
I wanted Dorothy to be a little bit more upset. I, I guess. feel you. I feel you. But she's going through her yearbook and she's just you know thinking of all like she's the po- memories, looking, pointing out all the people, out who, all have the died, people who have died. Which is like, come on, you're in your sixties, lady. Like people are gonna die, but whatever. And then she she's like, I had so many dreams. <laughs> Yeah, well, she, yeah, she basically, she finds a list in her yearbook (laughs) of all the things that she wanted to do in her life. I get it, though. Like, I like that it was, it's not like she was just going through her yearbook, you know, and she was like, oh, look at, I found this list. It was, you know, this friend of hers who had also just, you know, planned this big trip that she wanted to go on and then died before she could do it. She wanted to go to the Holy Land, which I believe is probably Israel. Yeah, she wanted to go to the Holy Land. Yeah. Or, um... Maybe Graceland? Is that the people call that like no. Elvis's Holy Land? Am no. I making that up? I've been there many a times and no. Oh, okay. It's not the Holy Land. Um, I've also been to the Holy Land and it's holier. There was a <laughs> there was a joke that I liked where um Dorothy, one of the things on her list that she wanted to do is she wanted to be homecoming queen. And Sophia <laughs> says, You can still be homecoming queen. It'll just be a different kind of home. <laughs> and it's also foreshadowing. Because at the, in the third to last episode of the series, I think, she wins prom queen at the reunion. Yeah, she wins something at the reunion. You and I had a discussion about this like an episode or two ago. Yeah, but whatever. She wins. She's crowned she, something. right. She gets up on stage. She's crowned. Um, She's Mary Lou Peebles or whatever her name is. I forget what it is. Yeah. That sounds like a real name. Mary Lou Peebles. I feel like that's a... Mary Lou Retton is well. A real yeah, I know name. Mary Lou Retton. Of course, I know Mary Lou Retton. <laughs> of course, um, you do. But uh, Dorothy says that she always wanted to be an entertainer. She was yeah. voted most humorous girl in her class, and yeah. she used to put on like a variety show and tell jokes. You call this tapioca? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, I, uh, I would love to. I always love it when like. You know what I mean? Where you you know it was my best come joke in, in high school. Come in on a conversation like, and you get like the tail of an end of a joke. I remember my best joke in high school, and it was an accidental joke, but it was an amazing moment. I was, I think it was senior year, and I was student body president, right? And student body president got to do like the morning announcements or whatever, Fun. and uh, the, <laughs> and I was so gay, and there was this. There was this this kid, this guy, I don't know, he probably hated me. And he uh he got into West Point, I think. And uh and so we were congratulating him. Like that was the point. Like the the principal needed to congratulate him. So he did. And then I got on and I just sort of said, like, uh, you know, be all that you could be. And I just sort of threw out a line that was in my head. And someone corrected me while I was doing the announcement and said, That's the Navy. And I was like, Oh, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> Be all you can be is the army. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and and isn't West Point the Navy? I don't know what the West... What's West Point? I think it's Marines. Okay, who the fuck is cares? It? Like, I'll, No, don't say who cares. I don't care. I will gladly say I don't care about West Point. But, uh, unless it's a porn scenario. But... <laughs> But um, I'd said the kid to don't ask, don't tell. And he didn't like that. A lot of kids laughed at it because I was kind of calling him gay. Um, And that's my joke from high school. (laughs) I'm now I'm looking to see. I want to know who West Point trains now. What? It's, it's okay. It really doesn't matter. Oh, okay. So it looks at uh, it looks like they train the army. Yeah. Who cares? I I do. <laughs> Listeners listening are like, we don't care. Get to the Golden Girls. 
Well, you were the one that changed the subject. But I'm now I'm done. Okay. Well, I also just didn't want to disrespect anybody in the military. I'm sorry. Military. Anyone listening Jeez. that's in the armed forces, um, we honor your service and we respect the work that you've put in to get to this place. But you know and I know that it's all about the Golden Girls. Oh, there's a mosquito in the room. Um, <laughs> it's a, okay. It's late. We're, we got to start doing these earlier in the day. I'm up. Um, I'm up. I meant to ask you, so yes. Dorothy was voted most humorous girl in her class. Were yes. you ever voted anything in your yearbook? Yeah, most likely to die. No, um, I was, I guess I was voted something. I was sort of always on that weird, I was that weird level of like being known. Like I was known, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, people, I was involved in a lot of things. People knew who I was. I was not the popular kid. I was popular in a different sense. I was popular in the whole like fat kid, gay, very boisterous sort of way. And I wasn't popular in the, so we're going to invite him to the party. I was never invited to the party. Right. Um, so being voted for things, all the kids got, all the cool kids, you know, did the things that they all got, you're supposed to get voted for. And I probably got like funniest or something. I don't fucking know. I re- No, you know, I bet Nikki, Gla- Nikki Glazer and I went to high school together. Oh, wow. I bet she, she got the. Class clown? No, she wasn't class clown, but I oh. bet she got funniest. You had two separate ones for class clown and funniest? Well, you probably didn't have Class Clown because it's not. I didn't graduate in 1950, 1954. I didn't either. Did I, you we get graduated Class Clown? the same year. Ours was called Class Clown. Ugh, sorry. Yeah. East Coast. Um, no, I didn't get <laughs> Class Clown. I wanted it, though. You did? Do and you... I remember they took, like, hokey pictures with, them, with the superlatives in the yearbook. So I think, like... I remember they had one that was like worst drivers, and they had the two kids who got worst drivers, that like, pretend to crash their cars into each other in a photo... I think the class clown ones, I think they were pretending to fall downstairs, maybe. Oh, gosh. Um, no, I didn't get any of that. I didn't get, I wasn't on like the homecoming court or anything. I was, I, I won the homecoming. I didn't really game. get any kind of recognition. <laughs> <In> <laughs> you are school. now, look at you now. I got homecoming, home, what was what our version of homecoming king? They call it was hatchet. it called Class Clown? No, it's called Hatchet Man because <laughs> we have Pioneers, our like mascot. Hatchet Man? Yeah, Pioneers, our mascot. And we got like Hatchet Man and Hatchet Girl is sort of like the king and the queen of Homecoming or whatever. Our hatchet version of Man it. sounds like a serial and murderer. You, and hatchet you, Girl sounds like a badass. You get a real Marvel hatchet. Superhero. This is how like pre 9 11 days it was. You got a real hatchet. I still have the hatchet somewhere. You don't know where it is? That's your It's somewhere. It's, I don't give a fuck. It's somewhere in Missouri. Do you want to talk about Rose's story? Cause oh, my God, yes. So, <laughs> Rose, and at this point. Well, so to, let's finish off Dorothy. So, Dorothy then, she wants to she she wants to do something with this entertaining bug. She wants to actually, yeah. like, go through with something. Yeah. So, um, just, just at the moment in the episode where I was like, I miss Rose. We haven't seen Rose yet. That's when she walks in and yeah. says that um, Roger at work doesn't like her. Uh, and his dog died. She's going to replace it with a new pet. Um, (laughs) Which is the most audacious thing to do ever. It's, she's, I mean, you got to love Rose. She's got a great heart. But as a pet owner, I can't imagine if, like, our dog passed away, we would not be ready for a new pet Oh, I encourage, I openly encourage. Like, when my mother's dog died, I encourage her to get a new dog very quickly because, like, you know, prolonging that sadness isn't going to change anything. You're still going to be sad even with the new dog. So, like, you might as well put your efforts into, you know, 
a positive place instead of just letting the morning happening. I don't know. I, I feel like it. I would need a period of time to go by because otherwise I would never want to displace any of my morning onto another pet. Like mm. I would never want to, um, well, you wouldn't dislike you would be, it in any way. You would be like so focused on that, it. that you would be almost like moving on from your old pet. No, I'd need some time or else I'd fear that I might resent the new animal. Mm. Maybe you're just a resentful person. Maybe. <laughs> but, um, so, okay. So after Rose gets this guy, Roger, she gets him a cat and he comes by with the cat. I have to say something about this Roger guy. So he's played by an actor named Oliver Clark. He's still alive. Um, he was in Ernest Saves Christmas. Yes. Um, he stopped. He stopped acting in like 2003. But his actor's choice, I feel like he was playing. He was trying to be likable. Did you just notice no. how he said every line? Like a smiley kind of guy. Like he's yeah, like, hey, well, Rose, I well, I noticed treading, that my, no, I you think put he, the cat over and it ate my bird. Like, I think he was treading on sort of like trying to be nice to this woman, but he was also being a dickhead because I'm sorry, if you don't like someone, you don't directly tell. But then again, maybe, maybe he was pushed to the point because she did get him a fucking cat, but like. Which ate his parakeet. Which ate his parakeet, which killed another one of his animals. I know. So like. Maybe he was pushed to the limit, and if that happened to me, maybe I would say, I don't like you, but most people, if you don't like someone, you don't go out of your way to say, I don't like you. You you give excuses. You say, I'm busy that weekend, or I, you know, I have a headache, I have my migraine problem, and I can't stand your voice. Right. It was just so, (laughs) it was almost creepy how cheerful his voice sounded when he was like, well, it ain't my cat, so I guess I'll see you at work. Please leave me alone. (sighs) And doing the puppet shows over the thing, remember? Oh, yeah, he said stuff like uh, doing the puppet shows over the which, cubicle. Which, that's creepy, too. But God bless Rose for trying. Well, Rose like, is like, <laughs> what, what do you do when someone doesn't like you? Does it, does it bother you? Probably, yeah. I mean, but does it bother you to the point where, like, you try to solve it? Or when you maybe mm-hmm. don't even know? Like, let's say you don't know that they don't like you. You just get the feeling they don't like you, so you go out of your way to make yourself sort of like... No, that would be too uncomfortable for me. I think I would just... Ignore them. I definitely go out of my way. If I feel like there's any tension or someone's not liking me and I like them and I want them to like me, I'll go out of my way to like put myself within their sort of, you know, frame of mind to sort of put myself there to be like, like me, look how cool I am. Well, you know what? I will say that my, my high school boyfriend who I like grew up with, like across the street from each other, very, Mm. you know, Kevin Winnie Cooper situation. Um, the Wonder his, Years, guys. The Wonder Years. Yeah. So his now wife, we also went to high school with. And his, uh, my high school boyfriend's sister is my best friend. Ooh, this is an episode of Jerry. No, no, no. Danielle, for reference, she was the one dressed in the clown costume Back when we scared horrible Kim. Horrible clown story. <laughs> um, so when I would come home from college in Georgia for like Christmas and stuff, I'd go yeah. to their house because I was still really close with their family. And his wife... Before they were married, um, but they were together, would always, if I came over to say hi, she'd always, like, go outside, or she'd, like, she would always kind of avoid me, and I got the feeling that she didn't like me, and so I remember one day, like, going up to her and be like, I think you're really cool, let's let's hug it out, like, I want us to be cool, and then from that day on, we were cool, and, like, we don't, you know, 
I don't really you know what you were experiencing. See him anymore. You were experiencing that post Aiden like moment in Sex in the City. Remember that episode? No, when I don't Carrie, watch Sex in the City. Oh God, I don't understand. Call that. Joe DeRosa. We know he has the DVD set. Well, there's an episode where Carrie has broken up with Aiden. You know, and she she encounters Aiden's girlfriend right after Carrie. And apparently Aiden told her some things that, and she's like the SNL booker and Carrie told, or Aiden told her some things that were like, Ooh, Carrie's crazy. And so the woman's like putting it on Carrie and she's like, yeah, Hey, you know, I'm Carrie. And the woman makes a face like, Ooh, <gasps> yeah. And the whole episode is like, whatever you think happened, let it sat, whatever. It was a, it was a good episode. I liked mm-hmm. it. It's in that season. Whenever I like break up with someone, I watch season five of sex in the city to like, Get myself through things. Okay. Because that's her single lonely season. Got it. Got yeah. it. Can't relate to any of those things. <laughs> Just kidding. I've been so, single. So Dorothy uh, decides to do stand-up comedy. She signed up down at the, what was it called? Oh, she signed up down at the, where is it? I wrote it down. Oh, at the Comedy Barrel. Comedy Barrel. Comedy clubs. Guys. Just a piece of advice. Now, I don't know what towns you live in, but if you're in an urban center, Comedy clubs are fine. They're fine. But if you want to see, like, real comedy where people are actually doing things, where they're, like, working on television and stuff, go to some of the alt rooms, the alternative rooms. Go to yeah. some of the improv spaces. Go to the places where, like, some weirder shit's happening because that's where the people who are working get time. And we're having a show there on March 16th at NerdMelt. We are. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Um yeah. Here's, I, I do, I like the scene where, uh, so Dorothy says she went down to the Comedy Barrel. She signed up for the Monday night yeah. open mic. Yeah. And she decides to run a joke by Sophia. Mm-hmm. And this was, I think, my favorite moment in the episode. Uh, Dorothy goes, uh, okay, Ma, so here, here's the joke. Which, again, it's so, when you're trying to, like, pitch a joke to someone, like, you gotta be confident when you do it. Or else people are gonna, you're just gonna lose your energy. You're gonna lose your steam. She goes... It seems there was this doctor, and Sophia yeah, immediately no. cuts her off. She goes, "It seems. What is this existential humor? Was there or wasn't there? Like it's amazing." No, it's true. Sophia actually is pointing out one of my biggest pet peeves. So I once taught a class, yes, a class of little children for a friend of mine how to do stand-up comedy. Aww. And one of the biggest rules, the biggest things I've ever learned. I'm not even that great of a stand-up, but the biggest rule I've ever learned in stand-up comedy is. You start with confidence and you make it declarative. Everything is declarative. There is no I think. There's no I feel. I get or, that. do you hate when or whatever the fucking situation is. You say, I hate it. That you just say it. Yeah. You just declare it. And that's. that's so Dorothy should have said, so there's this doctor. Yeah, and so there's blah, this blah, fucking blah. doctor who gave she me doesn't this. Need to, she doesn't need to drop an F-bomb. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't need to swear to try to be funny. She's going to be funny would. on her own. <laughs> I would definitely be um, like. But then, so after she does this, then there's like this weird act break. And then when it comes back, Dorothy has just like done her five minute set for her Sophia. And it comes back with Dorothy in the living with Sophia. And she goes, thank you and good night. And Dorothy like, and Sophia stops the the little clock, her timer. And it was like just over five minutes. Yeah. And I was like, that was such a weird place to come back in on. They do that at the end too. It's weird. It's a weird, keep going. But uh, then I just, I have the words, I wrote, holy shit, Blanche's blue dress. Cause it's a good blue dress. And we, you pointed out the women are, they're all wearing primary colors. But in then this they, scene. They're, they're fitting their color pattern pretty much. Blanche is wearing blue, Dorothy's in red, Rose is in yellow, Sophia's in green. Yeah. They are a primary color wheel. Yeah. 
but that blue dress on Blanche, I will say though, I did not love her hair in this episode. Her it's a hair, little big. It's a little helmety. It was helmety. It yeah. felt like it felt it felt very yeah helmety. It yeah. felt very tight. Yeah, and like it was going up high. Yeah, and it, there was no like I like it when it's a little bit messier Me and too. a little bit looser. Me too. But I, oh, that dress though, that gorgeous blue dress, it brought out her eyes. So good. Uh, It was amazing. Um, And uh, so she says that her accountant reminded her that she's never actually paid back taxes when she's been audited. She's got a whole plan. She was audited once before. Like basically all this drama over her being audited is sort of unwarranted, but okay. Uh, And then Rose, poor Rose, who still just has not taken the hint from Roger, has decided to bake him a St. Olaf friendship cake. Rose. I just... Oh, it but I mean, my at that heart. point, no, at that point, it's like, it's like when you break up with someone and you can't stop texting them. Like at that point, you just like have to let yourself be the crazy one. Like you just have to let it, like you can't let it go. You, you're obsessed. Like Dorothy calls, she says she's obsessed and she is, she's obsessed. And you know what? At that point, she has to keep going until the shit explodes and it's about to. Yeah. In a, in a non-explosive way, but it's yeah. about to explode for her. Yeah. And she ends up, um, she actually shows up at. Roger's apartment. Which is the same apartment in a future episodes where Dorothy and Sophia are like doing the Meals on Wheels thing and Dorothy goes across. <gasps> oh, that's you know. when she goes the to the... The elevator's in a different place. The elevator wasn't there in that episode, but it's the same sort of set. She goes to the agoraphobics yes. apartment, the guy who doesn't yes. come out. That's why it looked familiar. Yeah. I always love, I love watching elevator doors on sitcoms. because they're because so bad. They're so bad. I feel like you've just got like one person on either side being like, okay, one, two. Okay, pull. And then they pull, and it's like always a little like uh, rickety. Yeah. yeah. um, The best. Oh, God, elevator doors. Um, So she tries to give him the friendship cake. Yeah. And I love it. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it, but it's such a small thing where Roger comes out or he's in the doorway and he sort of comes out and shoos her away from his apartment as if to say, like, there's no way I'm letting you inside, lady. Yeah. Um, And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell you i don't like you you know and he basically tells her he's like you know what's your idea of a, of a friend because she wants yeah. to be friends with him and she's like you know a friend to someone you know you do things for them you respect their wishes and he's you like like them yeah she's yeah. like he's like okay cool so we're friends and now i'm saying please respect my wishes that i don't want you to leave and she's like well yeah i guess i have that to you, that you do want he wants her to leave right yeah. sorry that yes sorry it's late yeah. i'm tired um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he's like, you have to do things for me. I'm, you're my friend. I yeah. would like for you to leave. And she's thrilled. Yeah. She's and thrilled. Yeah. At the fact which, that he's I like, mean, all right, cool, we're friends. It's, it's actually kind of like a dumb ending to this. I, like, I wanted it to explode a little bit more. Like, I wanted him to, not to break Rose, because <laughs> that would be horrible. But, like, I don't know, for her to, like, accidentally, like, push him out the window or something ridiculous. I actually would have liked, and this is why I wonder if he's, if the actor is making a choice to like a, almost appear friendly in the way he delivers the dialogue. Cause what I almost would have liked is to have seen Rose like go off on him yes. and be like, I have tried yeah. my hardest to get you to like me. I came all the way to your apartment. I baked you this cake and it's full of sunshine and love. <laughs> and I would love to have seen her like throw it on the ground. Yes. And then for him to go, 
you know what? I like you. Yeah. I like you. Uh, you got, you got you're funny. Spunk. Yeah. You I like you. Lady. I like what you just did with that cake. Yeah. That was real funny. I know. All that, right. I would, see you, Rose. Almost like a falling down moment for Rose. That movie Falling Down, you remember that? Oh, yes, Michael Douglas. Except Michael without Douglas. the murdering yeah, of people. Right, of but like where he's just like, fuck traffic. Rah! Gets a bat and starts just yeah. going crazy. Yeah, I love it. Because I, I feel like hasn't Rose confronted people like remember when Myra didn't like her yeah, yeah. the wife of what's his or nuts. like the lady she killed with over the tree in that episode in like season three I think Mrs. Where, Claxton yeah. Frida yeah when she killed Frida Claxton I just I would have liked to have seen Rose yeah like yeah. lose her shit a little bit yeah 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 like totally. you know blowed out your turban burbles like that sort of <laughs> I'll blow you it know, out <laughs> blowed out your turban burbles like that thing like yeah. when she gets Mad, but um, but now we get to Dorothy doing stand up comedy. She's at the stand up comedy club and they're backstage. So, like, you see, what I love is that they have all of these comics. You can tell it was like a class that she took and she gets a certain amount of time and everyone gets up there. Oh, I thought it was like an open mic, it might be an open mic. I don't know. It's but because he's like number 14 or whatever when he comes out, yeah, it probably was an open mic. But <laughs> sorry, guys, open mics don't give you five minutes these days, they give you three minutes, but. Um, they, they're all sort of in the back of this comedy club, which mm-hmm. again, there's never an audience for an open mic. The open mic audiences are comedians. You wait in the audience, you get called up, you go do a thing, whatever. Uh, she's in the back with the girls. They're all waiting. She's so nervous. She's so nervous as you know, she would be yeah. like it's, if stand up comedy, but you know what though? I have, this is like, I'm never nervous before going on stage. I'm more nervous after I get off. Like, my anxiety is worse after I get off. Is that because you're, like, having a post-mortem of everything that you've just done and you're kind of, like, going through it and I think there's more of a reception thing. I don't know. Like, I have... It it may be my social anxiety, but, like, the idea of, like, confronting people after they saw me do that is the anxiety. Huh. Whereas doing it, there's no anxiety. Let me ask you something. When someone... If somebody comes up to you after a show and says, like, hey, I like that. That was really funny. Mm-hmm. What's your response usually? I usually am not in a situation where anyone talks to me after a show. I, really? I don't usually meet people after shows. In fact, there are some shows where you get, like, a there's, like, a door fee where you can, like, meet and greet or, you know, meet the audience afterwards or something. And I refuse those. I, I don't. Not to be. I'm not a dick. I just. It, it, I it, Even thinking, thinking about it, it stresses me out. It's just, like. There's too much. I mean, and there's also a level of like I talk about like cancer and shit, and sometimes that can be a lot of weight put on you. Like when someone wants to talk to you about someone they know that's had right, cancer, right? Right. That's always a hard thing. But even just after even our shows, I mean, our audience is great, and you guys should come on March 16th at Nerd Melt if you're in LA. Tell your friends. But I mean, I do greet people after the show. I do. I definitely do, and I I try to force myself to. But it is crazy stressful. Is it? Oh, it's so stressful. Yeah. I can't. I can't, ugh, I have to take so much out of and to handle it. Okay. But to be on stage is different because no one's talking right. back to me. I'm in control. Yeah. I'm in complete control. Right. You know, I have the loud mic voice. Yeah. <laughs> so I get to, I get to control that situation. And, and I also think it's a bit of trusting that you're funny. Yeah. You know, trusting that you know how to frame a joke and how yeah, to, yeah, yeah. you know how to talk to a crowd in a way mm-hmm. that they're going to keep listening. Um, years and years ago, I... Uh, my ex-boyfriend's a comedian who's been a guest on this show at some comedian. point. And uh, we don't have to say who it is. 
Uh, people will wonder. No, they won't. Nobody cares. No. Yeah. But anyway, um, many, many, many years ago, when he was probably like on the newer side of stand-up, when people would go up to him afterwards and say like, hey, man, that was really funny. Yeah. He'd like be like, oh, yeah, no, it's like the joke this was supposed to go this way. It was a little yeah. bit longer. I kind of messed up with it or whatever. And that person I remember like would be like, oh, Okay. I just thought it was, it was funny. It was, it was okay, bye. And and I was like, you. I get that you're yeah. like you're feeling like you yourself know that maybe it didn't go exactly as planned. But I was like, just say mm-hmm. thank you. I was yeah. like, just say thank you. It's, it's just so hard. It's totally fine. It's so hard. But so Dorothy's nervous before she gets on, as most people would be. Also, the comedian that's up on stage, oh, what the a typical douche. '80s looking comedian with like. The open jacket and the Jordache jeans and the sunglasses. I have a firm rule. You never try to look good as a comedian. Like, no comedian should be attractive. Ever. Why? Why? Because no one, no, no one should be sitting in an audience looking at a comedian and thinking, what the fuck are they complaining about? Look at them. They're good looking. They they have they have this they have everything going for them. They're pretty. I disagree. I don't at all. I've seen gorgeous comedians, both male and female. Um, like I've seen women who wear heels and dresses and look amazing and are no less funny. And I don't look at them and go, oh, well, you're not allowed to complain about anything I do. because I think you're gorgeous. <laughs> I don't do it I, to, say, I definitely don't do it to women. But if I see an attractive man complaining about dating on like a man with like, you know, typically attractive man complaining about dating, I'm usually like, go fuck yourself. Oh, I don't feel that way. I do. Because I'm like, I don't know you. I don't know what you've been through. Yeah, I look at them and I know exactly what they've been through. Well, the guy (laughs) who plays the comedian up on stage, who does like the very end of a joke, um, has been in a bunch of episodes of The Golden Girls. Um, He was, he played a delivery boy in Henny Penny. He played an orderly and like the beep beep of the Tom Tom. And he he played, he just did a voice in Foreign Exchange. So this is, uh, I have to wonder if this guy was like somehow yeah. connected to the show in some way. He probably was like a regular that they kept because they kept a lot of regulars on. Like yeah, acting maybe he was regulars. like a comedian that one yeah, of the writers knew or something. Totally. Um, I love Dorothy's name that they introduce her as oh. Dorothy, show us your Spornak. So good. It was actually really, because intros for comedians are wretched usually. So like that was a pretty good intro. Mike Burbiglia has a uh, funny stories about people mispronouncing his na- name when they oh. call him like Mike Burbigaboo. That's why stuff. I'm called what I am. That's why I go by H. Allen Scott is because of how I was introduced. Because uh. people, the, so I'm, my real name is Scott Allen Honiger, but people see my real last name Honiger and they, they, they look at the spelling of it and they say Honiger. And it can come out in very inappropriate ways, mm-hmm. especially when you're from cities like St. Louis. Right. So I changed it pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. I get that. Um, so Dorothy gets up on stage yeah. and, and she's, you know, under the bright light and she's like, oh, it's a little hot up here. And Sophia yeah. calls out, how hot is it? <laughs> Sophia is the worst heckler. <laughs> oh my gosh. But in a loving way. Cause in she's just wanting her to way. do well. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. cause then she laughs. Um, and then Dorothy, like, I can't tell if Dorothy was doing the material she was planning on doing that night or if she kind of, I, I like to think that she abandoned it, that she had these anecdotes that weren't personal to did. her. Like, she did. you know, that it seems there was this doctor. I like to think yeah. she abandoned that and looking out at the audience and seeing her mom and seeing her friends where she was like, you get the I'm impl- just going to 
It's kind of inferred that she did do that in that her first joke, her opening joke was about her name Mm -hmm. and it's spelled just the way it sounds. Right. And it's like, and no one laughs. You can tell she kind of abandoned a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And she starts getting into talking about, you know, living with women and how they can like read by the light of their hot flashes. And, and she says, uh, she talks about dating because then we see that, you know, maybe some time has passed and time. She she gets five minutes. The time that has passed is one minute. Well, we see her for like we see she does a good bit of jokes when for the opening part we see her. She does at least like six jokes and then it cuts to there's like a moment of transition Mm -hmm. for like a minute or two. And then she does her closing joke where she's like, what's the what's the line where she says where she grabs her chest? She's like, I forget what she says. And now everyone on the everyone on the Internet's going to hate me for forgetting the quote. Well, one of the jokes she says, she does say the trouble with dating a guy on life support is that you always have to go to his it, place. Which is a good joke. It's very good it's joke. It's a good joke. Um, I, I also oh, call 911. Right. That's the last the the closing joke. The way she says call 911. She's like she's she's doing this like physical shtick. It's like, cute. It's cute. And that, also the laughter I couldn't tell if I couldn't tell where that laughter was coming from because it was louder than typical sitcom audience laughter. Yeah. It was like the it was supposed to be the laugh. There was laughter from the sitcom audience, but there was also laughter from the comedy club audience yeah. that was a little bit louder and more pronounced. Um, it was cute. It was a good moment. It was such a. It was she's really sort of in her element in that bit. Even though the character is definitely, you know, it's a one-time thing for Dorothy, mm-hmm. for for B. Arthur being on a stage and performing in front of people is sort of what she does. It's what she was always done. I mean, her first major, major, major role was in Fiddler on the Roof, and the character she played was sort of like the the Yenta sort of lady, and which is basically like a vaudevillian stand-up type character. Mm-hmm. I mean, she became famous for one-liners and being sort of like a jokester. Mm-hmm. And 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 Broadway, of course, Broadway musicals, but yeah, so it's 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 kind of nice to see her do this. Yeah, it was fun to see her laugh at her own jokes. And then I like that she wraps it all up in the end. She yeah. says like, "So that's who I am, you know, substitute teacher with hot flashes who still lives with her mother who heckles her." Did you ever see her one-woman show? I didn't. Oh. Such a travesty. It was great. And you guys should listen to it because it's available on iTunes. Um, I. It's, but it's very similar to what she, I mean, it's not similar, but it's nice to see. It makes you feel that. Now I'll have to listen to it. I, I mean, I know I've told you how like jealous I am because you've like seen B. Arthur perform and you've met Rue and you've showed Betty your tattoo on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And I never, I've never seen any of them in person. And I, my mother was in town. This is why we're recording this tonight because I've been hanging out with my mother. And she, we of course did all like the LA. Touristy things. Touristy things. We did the studio tours. We did everything. And we went to Madame Tussauds Museum, Mm -hmm. the Wax Museum. And they have a Wax Betty. And I saw it and like, I lost my breath. I, (gasps) I, and I just walked right over to it. It was in a room full. And there's like people, you know, she's in the same area as like Will Smith and Brad Pitt and like, you and know, Demi Lovato. Be. Yeah. But I walked right over to her and I was like, I, I was legit. You. I was talking to the Betty, <laughs> to the Betty White. And my mom took a few pictures. You like Lars and the Real Girl. It, I or was, yeah. it was just like Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah. And I thought like. This might be the closest I ever get to her because I don't know if I'm ever going to meet her. And We're going to. She's going to be on the podcast. 
don't say that. Like we're making don't don't make that I'm a gonna, declarative statement. No, you totally make you. Do you know the power of the secret? You put it out into the world and it happens. Sure, put it on a vision board and keep it in your house. Don't say she's going to be on the podcast. I'm going to say, podcast. It, guys, we're going to get Betty White in the podcast and you're going to help us. There. How? By the power of the secret. What does that mean? Oh my God, you clearly never watched Oprah. I'm listening. I'm waiting. <laughs> no, it means exactly that. You put it out into the world and good things will come if you if you will it to happen. If you think it in your brain and you want it so bad, you make it happen for yourself. Okay. People, I'm going to have an army with me and they're the listeners and they're going to agree with me and we're going to have Betty White on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Uh, so Dorothy's so, yeah. so Dorothy's, Dorothy's sitting on the couch amazing. and she's she's back, she's, home. she's back home. She's in her sweats. She's had a little sweat. She's doing crossword puzzle or whatever the fuck she's doing. And Sophia, <laughs> Sophia's joke's good. Sophia runs in and she's like, "I've been working on a joke for your act." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, "I forget the setup, but she says she says why did Rose throw the alarm clock out the window?" I can do the punchline. Okay, why did Rose throw the alarm clock out the window? Because she's a moron. <laughs> it was. Which is like a bad joke for a stand-up act, but in a the really context good of the joke. sitcom, it was a really good really joke. Really good, yeah. Um, but Dorothy, I mean, Dor- I think Dorothy's glad that she did, you know, stand-up, and she says yeah. that you know, being a substitute is kind of the same as doing stand-up. You and know, it's what you, she loves. Yeah, and 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 I think too that she. Um, you know, she gets up there and just like she gets in front of those kids every day and yeah. she, she hopes that they will leave having learned something or coming away with something, which is, I think, what she also hoped for her stand up audience. Which, you know, I mean, I can in some ways relate to because like, you know, I my inner voice was like, you're a personality, you're a comedian, you're a funny person. You should figure out a way to make a living doing that, like being that and I fought against it for years and I worked in politics and I worked in lots of other fields and I was like, I have to do something normal. I have to do something real. This isn't practical, practical. And, uh, and then after cancer, it was just like, no, this is it. This is what I'm good at. I get Mm -hmm. fired from every fucking job I have. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm good at these things. And so I might as well focus on that. And it's when you do that thing that gives you that feeling to know that you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what, for me, comedy is, is me knowing I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And same for Dorothy in that she did something and she realized that wasn't necessarily for her, but it it shined a light on what is constant in her life. Right, right, which I think is an important thing. Yeah, totally. Um, And then Blanche... Enters the room in her she black is and white black and white nightgown. Again, not Ooh. crazy about the hair. Oh, but but the but her boobs look good, and but she is that like nightgown tight. Again, I say it again and again. When Blanche comes out in those flowy nightgowns and robes, it's like she has a ghost trailing behind her. The way that that fabric, like trails in the in billows in the wind, yeah. it's remarkable. Yeah. It's perfect. I want one just so I can walk around. I mean, I need, you know, and some kitten heels. Yeah. Um, well, and then Dorothy asks her, like, what are you, what are you going to say? Or what, I forget the setup for it, but, but like, what, how are you going to explain this outfit? And then 
Blanche says the the person, the IRS man is going to be like, where's the zipper? <laughs> Which I don't think nightgowns have zippers. No, I think what she says is the zippers in back. Oh, the zippers in the back. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, I don't wear I don't, nightgowns. I don't think nightgowns have zippers either. You That'd just slip them on. Yeah. yeah you wouldn't want to sleep in something that had a zipper. So no. that was a man writing that joke. Oh. Um, so yeah, she's like, Double you know, you know, he'll be here any minute and <laughs> yeah. the doorbell rings and she now, opens it and there's okay. a woman standing there's there. There's a woman standing there and that's the joke. Oh my God. It's a female IRS agent. Blah, blah, blah. Hello, 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 hello. But why did they have to make the woman a beastly woman? Like, why did they have to make her massive and broad and big and like a man? Like they basically cast a man-like woman. I thought they cast a woman that just sort of like looked intimidating, like where she's like, I'm the IRS agent. Well, but like the joke would have worked with literally any type of woman. Right. So why does it matter that she happened to be a larger woman? Because the fact that she's a larger woman says, because the whole joke and leading up to it is that it's going to be Blanche going to seduce a man and to have a woman that kind of looks a little manly. I would say maybe it definitely was intentional. It definitely was intentional. Well, I don't know because she wasn't. It'd be one thing if she had very short hair and from behind you thought it was a man until she turned around. But she was wearing like a skirt and a business jacket. I don't know. I think it was completely intentional. You guys weigh in on the Facebook page and let us know if you think it was intentional or not. I just think they cast the actress that delivered the best line. I mean, she, but she didn't even deliver that great of a line. I thought she did. She just said her name. And she said she's the IRS agent. Yeah, no, not buying it. Totally intentional. But I do love the way that Blanche completely yeah. deflates. She goes, come on to the kitchen. I'll write you a chick. Yeah. And then just yeah. goes, shuts the door and then just flows right into the and kitchen. And that's the episode. Yeah. Kind of great. It's a, it's, it's like I said at the beginning, it's like one of like my favorite basic episodes. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. It was, there was a lot packed into it because yeah. they had three stories. Totally. Three stories. And, and one of them required leaving the girl's house. I loved it. Was, it was, yeah. Twice. Twice, yeah. Yeah. But, Rose I mean, Dorothy's, well. yeah, I consider to be the A, the main story. And of then course, yes. Before, yeah. Anyway, but I, I thought it was fun. Um, What's your golden takeaway from this episode? Um, My golden takeaway from this episode, hmm. Mine is. Yeah, you should always go first. You, you know before I do. That if you feel something deep down, you got to scratch that itch. Unless that itch is murder. And then don't scratch that itch. Oh, that's a good takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> My takeaway is actually uh, if you're trying to, you know, do make like a nice gesture for someone, um, maybe don't like bake them an entire cake, especially if yeah. you know they live make alone. Yeah, make them a cupcake. Right. Give right. it to them at work. So Stan and I recently had this experience where um, he got some good news and his friends brought over an entire confetti cake. And... It was a beautiful cake. It was from a very nice bakery. And Stan took a bite and was like, oh, no, no, no. It's, I'm not crazy about this cake. So you eat it. I get anxiety over wasted food. So I took it upon myself every day to chisel away at this cake. Oh, my God. Slowly. And at every day, more air gets into the box and the cake gets just a little bit drier. Of course. And I... Got to the point, it was maybe five days had gone by, and the cake was 
you know, I'm just going at it with a fork. I'm not like cutting slices because face it, I'm the only person. It got to a point where I feel like it was hard to tell. The cake was a little mashed up because I had just been like ripping away at it with a fork. But I yeah. feel like I was at a place where I probably ate 85% of it and I felt okay throwing the rest away. It was a big cake and it was why, very dense. Why didn't you give it to like a homeless person? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because it was like it said congratulations. I mean, like does that having does that anxiety feel having anxiety? No, it doesn't. But having anxiety over wasting food is actually like the perfect kind of anxiety because you then can give. I don't want Fraser to rip up your coat. You can give uh, <laughs> it away to a homeless person. Okay. That's a really good point. You know, I sh- I'll like, do that next time. Whenever like like I don't I don't necessarily like whenever I have leftovers, I for the most part, I know that I am not gonna eat the leftovers. I just know it. And mm-hmm. also if I'm on a date and I have leftovers and we're walking back to my car, you know what I do? If we pass a homeless person, I give that homeless person my leftovers. Not only is it doing something good for the world, but I'm also getting total date points. Got it. Because I am a good person. Got it. Well, I'm a false person putting on false pretenses because right. I don't always do that. But of course. in the date situation, I am. Of course. So start doing that. All right. Those yeah. are, that's, I, I got, yeah, I was able to get a, like a takeaway out of my takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, guys, if you are following along uh, with the podcast and watching the episodes as we go, the next one we'll be watching is All That Jazz. So All That Jazz. Very good. Thank you. Very good. Uh, and once again, guys, don't forget, if you are in the Los Angeles area or if you have friends that are in the Los Angeles area, uh, we hope that you will join us for the next Out on the Lanai live show Thursday, March 16th at 7 p.m. Tickets are $10. All ticket proceeds benefit the senior services provided by the LGBT Center at Triangle Square. Uh, we're going to have... ask me who's on it. Who's on the live show? Ask me again. Who's on the live show? Oh, the one, the only, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars winner, Alaska Thunderfuck. Yes. And VIP guest. Of and VIP guest. Out of the Lanai. We Let's are also rare. going to have a raffle. Uh, we're going to raffle off some amazing prizes, including some original Golden Girls artwork it'll be a super super fun show it's going to be at the nerdist showroom at meltdown comics and you guys can get tickets at out on slash live and if uh, you know if you're not in the la area and you know someone that's going to be in the la area or lives here you I should tell them that. about it i'm sorry i'm repeating it and for those of you who can't make it, um, you know, we will be record- releasing a- an episode of the live show yes. and maybe we can do some sort of live streaming or something during the event. But uh, yeah. even for those who can't make it, you guys will all be there with us in spirit. I promise yeah. you always are. And, you know, it's a great way to see a live show. You can donate to the podcast because then we can and we can come on the road. Hopefully we can try to make enough to get on the road and mm-hmm. go to the cities. So go to out on slash donate to give a one time donation or to set up a monthly donation using patreon and you guys can follow the podcast we're out on the lanai.com on twitter we're at golden girls pod we're on facebook and i am squid eat squid on twitter and squidzy on instagram and i'm hl and scott on everything and as always guys remember <laughs> to stay golden by the miles, by the miles.